Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Coming to you live from downtown Detroit, this is Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. With your host, Joel O'Connor. This is a volatile puppy here, isn't it? And Dennis Dick. I've bitten a penny. I will buy the stock for a penny. With everything you need to start your trading day. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to this Monday edition of Benzinga's Pre-Market Prep. Spencer Israel, Joel Conan, Dennis Dick with you as always on this Monday morning. So what did Warren Buffett say versus what did Warren Buffett do? Those are two very different questions we have or we're, we're going to talk about this morning because uh, uh, he he talked a lot of bullish things, but his actions didn't inspire a ton of confidence. So we'll talk about that. We'll talk about the reaction uh, to his comments in the market, overall market, and obviously to the airline industry is the biggest story of the day is, is how Buffett sold out of the airlines. Uh, we'll talk about some of the earnings reports we're going to get later in the week and just the general state of the market as we head into uh, what looks like an, uh, what will be another bearish start. Uh, to the week here. Our guest is Scott Shalady. He is the head of U.S. OTC producers at Marek Solutions, also known as the Cow Guy. He will join us at 8.35 by phone. In the meantime, I will bring Joel on. Joel, give us a quick update on this Sunday night session. Uh, good morning to you, Spencer. Uh, lower open off Mr. Buffett's comments. Got down to 2771 Nothing there for you, folks. I was hoping maybe for 55 and a quarter. That was your April 24th low. Uh, nice rally. Uh, we got above <clears throat> Friday's low, which was also Monday's low. Pre-market high, 28.14.50. Big, big number on the upside. We have uh, crude in the red by 56 cents at 21.73. Gold up 14.60 at 17.15 and a half. And silver up nearly 16 cents at 15.10. Bitcoin down $95 at $8,745. Uh, Triple D, give me, give me one good story from your weekend. Oh, wow. I have so many good stories on the weekend. The weekends are fun. But, um, you know, obviously, we're a little bit in the lockdown situation, so we can't do as many things. But I actually went for a run outside. So that was uh, the second one that I went from. I, I was, obviously, we know, just staying right on my own like home and in my backyard, not leaving my home at all. But I've decided early in the morning, you know, you stay away. So I went for a run around. I went for a 5k run. I'm actually feeling pretty good. It's shocking that I haven't been running much. My treadmill was broken. I, I think I've kind of got it fixed somewhat, but I haven't been running hardly at all, doing very little exercise. And you'd think, oh, you're really packing on the pounds. But like I said before, without eating out, um, I've actually lost weight. I'm down to 203 pounds from about 210. So I've lost about seven pounds somehow without with doing very little exercise. But what I found was I was actually my 5k run. I was going pretty good. I felt like I, I was surprised that I felt that good on the run because I haven't been doing much exercise, but I think it's just because, um, I'm lighter. So you can really feel that seven pound difference. So that was the highlight of my weekend that I was, I ran and it wasn't that tough. What about you? 
I got mostly good, but I got one one kind of catastrophe. Uh oh, what's a catastrophe? Uh, well, we were uh, we were doing stuff in the garage, getting uh, taking the patio furniture out, right? Uh oh, and uh, so we have a, a table that we left out for the whole winter, and I start to put the umbrella right through there, and you know it wasn't going real smoothly, so I pulled out the umbrella, and the table shattered. Ah, there must have been two thousand pieces <laughs> on our deck. Okay, oh, awesome. And I'm like, uh, and Lisa's like, what did you do? And I'm like, oh, you know, we left the table out over the winter and the, the grass got, uh, you know, soft and it cracked. And she's like, no. So we spent hours, hours cleaning oh, that up. Yeah, two hours. So that was my bad thing. But but did a 10-mile bike ride yesterday. So oh, On good. the Peloton? No, hell no. I went outside. It was gorgeous. So, so what happens with the Pelotons now when the weather gets nice? Do they just go and, you know, become dust collectors here again? Is that what's going to happen? Lisa or? rode it this morning. Oh, so you're still riding them. Yeah, it is 50. I, I might use it today because it's a little bit cool out. But uh, anyways, let's, uh, let's. Highlights from your weekend, Mr. Israel, Mr. Israel. Oh, I don't really have any highlights from my weekend. Uh, I think I'm for the I'm I don't know for the for the better part of, of two years I've been slowly but surely making my way through parks and recreation. I finished that over the weekend. Uh, great show. So it's taken me about two years to finish it. So I guess that was probably the highlight of my weekend. I I didn't get it. I spent about three hours on Saturday out on my on my porch reading magazines. That was very nice. That was very <laughs> relaxing. Uh, that was that was a holiday. It was nice. Weekend. It was a nice weekend. Yeah, that was Saturday a little windy, <laughs> but yesterday was awesome. Really yep. nice. I, I, nice I left uh, the the Berkshire meeting. I I, I didn't want to spend my entire day inside watching that, so I, I went outside to read a little bit, and then I came back, and he was still going, which speaks to which we can segue into now because uh, he yeah. spoke for a long a time on. I think he spoke machine. What was it? Four hours on Saturday. It was a long time. So, yeah. okay. he's a machine. What did Warren Buffett say? If you only saw the first half hour of his presentation, you would say, "Oh, he was pre- he was very, very, very bullish." He talked. He gave us a history lesson. Talked about how we've we've survived all sorts of crises, from wars to pandemics, and never bet against America is is what is what people kind of latched onto uh, from Saturday. But uh, he talked a lot. He talked a big game. He talked bullish, but his actions. Uh, we're not as bullish. Uh, the biggest action that you all know by now is he has sold out of his entire stakes in American Airlines, Delta Airlines, United Airlines, and Southwest Airlines. He now owns a 0% of all four of those companies. Uh, and that was by far the biggest headline to come out of uh, Berkshire's annual meeting. Dennis, comment on the uh, half position trade and then Spencer pick it up. Again. Yeah, what did he say? And I, I'm, I'm going to get it wrong because I just read it quickly. Um, but he said something about somebody who's asked him a question because he took Q&A forever. And somebody asked him a question about the airlines and why he sold all out. And I think he said something to the nature of, well, we don't make half calls. Uh, and I, I might be getting that wrong, but that's what I took out. And I was like, oh, you know what? That's a good lesson for me because whenever I make a half call, I'm wrong. So stop making half calls. Don't put on a half size. If you're only going half in, it means you're not convicted enough to go in at all. So don't buy half sizes. I, I like that. I might, I might actually start using that. Probably not, but I like that. So that's yeah. why I said I sold them all because they don't make half calls. I, I, I missed that. I must have missed that part. But uh, like I, maybe I, I jumped he, it. He said he said a lot of things. Uh, so okay. So the, the the biggest question was what did Warren Buffett do 
uh, last quarter, who did he come in and buy for cheap? And the answer is nobody, nothing. Yeah. Uh, that he, he didn't buy anything. Uh, he said that was because of the Fed acting so quickly that they, they really missed their chance to buy anybody for cheap like they did in 08, 09. Uh, but I think people were really hoping to see him come in and and show some confidence by putting cash to work, which he didn't do. They, they bought back some stock, not as much as some people were hoping for, but they did some buybacks. Uh, but outside of that, they did, they did not put any cash to work last quarter, which I think people were really hoping for. So between that and just the total complete sells of the airlines, um, so that, that acted as, as, a, as a, a bit of a counterweight to his, his bullish history lesson, yeah. but his bearish actions in the quarter. Or is, is, I wouldn't call him bearish, but actions to um, show a, a uh, he's, he's not doing, he's not coming in and buying right now, which yeah. people wanted to see. We, we, well, I've been looking, you know, and you're looking at the pro every night and you're waiting to see Warren Buffett come into something because you know whatever stock he buys is going to fly. And we haven't seen it. We haven't seen anything coming. And obviously, you know, you think, okay, the annual meeting is going to talk about something that he bought. And it wasn't the case. And you know what? He's using logic. I mean, that's what he uses. And I've been saying it's hard to buy stocks on logic here. We're buying them on momentum. We're trading them on momentum. But it's why I stay very heavily cashed in my long-term portfolio. I cannot bring myself to come in and go all in on this market because there are just too many unknowns. And they talked about his huge cash position as well. And he said it's not that big considering the situation that we're in. And he's right. I mean, this is a lot of unknowns. There's scenarios that are really ugly here. There's scenarios that are good. You know, we get a therapy, we get a vaccine sooner than later. We, you know, maybe the virus isn't as bad as, you know, that's five and a half or 6% death rate that's currently running. We know it's probably going to be lower than that. So there are, are some positive potential scenarios here, but there's also some ugly ones. And the ugliest one would be if some of the people that have recovered, which I've talked about before, end up getting sick. We've seen this happening in other countries and it's scary. So we don't know how long, you know, the situation and, you know, one other stat I saw, just take it away from Buffett for a second, just to make my point on, you know, bearish scenarios. Um, people have been talking about how well Sweden's doing being opened right up. And there was a comparison done by somebody as a study and they were looking at traffic and I, a Stockholm, I, I, did I you saw see that? I, I saw that. Stockholm, yep. which, yeah. is un, which is open for business, you know, the transit systems, um, and there was like three different areas I looked at, but in the transit system, interesting as well. Open for business, Stockholm and Sweden. They compared it to Colorado, which has a stay-at-home order. And the transit systems are being used the same in Colorado as they are in, in Stockholm. So people in Stockholm simply because it's open doesn't mean they're going out. And this is what we've talked about the whole time is that just because you reopen the economy doesn't mean everybody's going to go back to the normal activities. We cited right. that CBS poll last week that said, you know, if you could go, if you were, if they said it's okay to go fly, you know, and, and the stay at home orders were lifted, would you go in, on an airplane right now? And I believe it was like 80% said no. So it's going to take a while to get the confidence back. So let's just say we hypothetically open up everything. And people have been yelling at me on Twitter, open it all up. It's not like we're just going to go back to business as usual for all these businesses. There's going to be a percentage of the population, like myself, that are probably not going to go sit in a restaurant, probably going to not fly on an airplane to Disney World. And that percentage is going to continue to hit stocks and hit companies' bottom lines and top lines. So it's hard to just say that just because 
uh, we allow everything to open back up, that we're going back to business as usual. I don't think we are. And that's why it's hard to be fully invested in stocks. And and that was that was Warren's case. Where that was his argument. Yeah, really, it's for a the, good argument for the for the airlines. He said the industry has fundamentally changed. Uh, talked about uh, fewer people flying, which means uh, fewer flights. And so he admitted he was wrong. He sold out, but uh, you know, people. Some people will think this is a buying opportunity. It it could end up being one in five years we don't know that but it could be end up, end up being buy opportunity in five days it could be sure there's lots of trades i mean if you're coming in and selling stocks today like we've talked about this this has just been the story you're selling rips and buying dips well we've had a three-day dip here so if you're coming in and selling stocks now while you're selling in the hole i mean you know that the, the, the time to sell was when we talked about on thursday's show that it felt like it had turned when spy was sitting at 291 on thursday morning show or two, 289 or 290 we were up at. Because we, we were at 295 after hours, and I think we were at 291 or 292. We had pulled significantly off the highs, and you could feel that it had turned. Rewind the show and listen to Thursday's show. That's when I said, I don't know. I don't like the way that the market reacted to the Facebook earnings and to the Microsoft earnings and to the Twitter earnings, which were okay. They sold. There was profit-taking there. So the profit-taking, you know, obviously continues for a couple of days here. Now, you know, you're looking at your 1,200 points, or, you know, or, or, or we use S&P, or 120 points below where you were three days ago. So if you're selling now, you're doing it backwards. As a trader, I feel like you're doing it backwards. That's why last night's here. dip was A couple bought. things. One, and he did make a very good point. The financial crisis was a, a long, right? And this could be a long process, too. But, you know, you look from when it started in an 08 and then, you know, slowly built momentum. We lost banks. You know, you could see a pattern. Here, there was like a sudden onslaught, right? The Fed did what the Fed did and then a quick mm -hmm. rebound. So mm -hmm. I have to agree with them in the fact that, you know, it wasn't a prolonged, you know, it wasn't months that you had to accumulate stocks or to evaluate the situation. It was just a matter of a couple weeks before the turn. And if anything, you know, you know, Mr. Buffett doesn't make decisions based on just, you know, days or weeks of actions. He's looking months into the future. So I, I mean, I'll, I will give him a pass on that. Just like everything happened so quickly, the decline and the rebound, that if you're moving big stock around, it's it's hard to do. So uh, yeah, I, yeah, I will. You can't move in two, three, that. you know, a thousand shares. You know, when you're talking, you're selling millions of shares. It's tough to do that. I mean, it's tough to think about the price impact that Warren Buffett's got when he owns ten percent of a company. It's tough. Like that's why. And you know, we look back at these sales that he made, which we talked about on the show, the Delta shares and the LUV shares a month ago when he got under ten percent. Well, he probably wanted to get under 10% on those initial sales, so he didn't have to disclose that he sold the whole things, and you know, and, and then or you know, yep. it gets a lot, it gets a lot trickier. Then he can do stuff because here's here's people. If you don't know the SEC, if you are over 10%, you've got to disclose to the SEC. I believe it's within two days. Am I correct, Mr. Israel? I think that's right. You can if, ask Brown I, the desk. I think that's right. I, I think you, it's right if you're over 10%. Once you're under 10%, you go back to the 45-day thing. Obviously, directors, that's different. We're talking just investors who aren't you know, part of the company, an, an investor in the company. If you're over 10%, you got to disclose to the SEC any transactions within two days. Um, and if I'm wrong, somebody can correct me in the chat, but I'm pretty sure I'm right. Um, yeah, you, and you, then, have to file, you have to file Form 4 within... Um, Two days, if you're over ten yeah, percent. Yeah, within within two days of, of your transaction. 
So, and then your 45 days, if you're under 10%, I believe that's right. Obviously, if you're a director, you have to, you're under different rules. So if you're a director of the company or an insider, it's a different story. But right. if you're an investor like Warren Buffett is in there, gets under 10%, now he can sell stock. And he doesn't have to worry that, hey, everybody's seeing that I'm selling every day. So you get under 10%. It's, he's not going to get out one day. I mean, you can't just, it's hard for, you know, when you sell 10% of a company, you're not going to send a market order for it. So you probably had to work it over the course of a number of days. And, you know, you see him start to work it and you think, oh, maybe. And, and there was a lot of speculation. Oh, and people were speculating, oh, he wants to get under 10% to do something bigger. He didn't. He got under 10%. He just wanted to get under 10%. He, so he dumped he the did, whole thing. He, he did something big, all right. He yes. did something big. He wanted out. And you know what? And sometimes you just got to take something at face value. People will read in. And, and I think this is, you know, just a quick lesson in trading. From what I've, you know, and from, I've made money by trading, you know, just simple. Take the headlines at face value. You know, take, you know, whatever you're seeing at face value. When you read too much into something, you know, you can create any scenario that you want to create in your own head. But taking stuff at face value really works. And I think I've become better at doing that because I trade so many headlines. Take him at face value. He's selling stock. He might be bearish. And that's what, he, what it turned out to be. People were speculating he's trying to get under 10% because he wants to do something bigger with the companies. Reading too much into it. And that obviously proved to be wrong. That wasn't the case. He was bearish. And that's why he sold stock. So take things at face value. Then, you know, if it's something else comes out of that, but more often than not, the face value call works. So Let's if you were taking take, a face yeah. value that Warren was selling airlines, you, you, He's selling airlines. You, you would have been selling airlines too. And you look at what they're doing today. And maybe we should go look at some charts here, Joel. Yeah, let's they're do all that making new lows. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're all making new you know, lows. LUV. Don't talk go about it. Oh, man. Oh, LUV those... down 8.66%. New low on the move. Yes. Delta, 21.72. Has not made a new low on the Correct. move. Um, it obviously rallied a little bit further. American Airlines, 955, really close to a low, low, new, uh, a new low on the move, but not quite there. So holding on there too. Only LUV making the new low on the move. But a lot of these stocks getting right down to their lows. Yeah. Again, if you're buying these stocks, you are gambling that we're going to turn it around in a hurry because all these companies are going to need more money if we don't. And I don't think people are going back to, I agree with Warren Buffett. I don't think people are going back to flying like they used to, not in the near future. And if, you know, 65% is the break even, as Delta was saying, and they're flying at 10% capacity right now, they got a long ways to go to get right. back to 65%. So not for me. And I think also, I mean, if you really want to look at this fundamentally, I think what we've learned from this pandemic is that, you know, Zoom and business conferences and meetings and everything. Look, I mean, I know it's not the same as being in person, but look at the amount of money that companies are saving by not sending people on these extended business trips and these extended flights. And um, it's, it just, it really, it makes great a big call. difference. Great, great, great point. Well, it makes a big difference too in the situation that we're in where companies are strapped for cash. They're going to be cutting expenses for a while. This isn't going to just all of a sudden we are looking to, you know, okay, well, let's ramp it up again. Revenues are going back to normal. Revenues could stay depressed. We're coming out of this and a lot of people lost their jobs. So even when we come out of this and the virus is gone, there is going to be some, you know, dust that's settled here that needs to get cleaned up. And that could take a long time. So I think you're right, Joel. I think 
businesses, you know, especially big business, some of them are going to be looking to cut expenses where they can. If they can do the Zoom meeting and they learn just as efficiently, and not saying, you know, Zoom, Teams, you know, there's a, there's a lot of these, Cisco, WebEx, there's lots of conference settings. So I'm not just pumping Zoom here. All right. of these conferences, you know, work. But I'm just, I think the point you're making, and it's a good point, is that there may be less business trips for a lot of people. And that means less flying. And that's a scary thought for the airlines as well. So, and I think that's the point that Warren was trying to make too. So I see a lot of reasons not to know own the airlines. The only reason I see to own the airlines is that you think we're going to get out of this and people are going to go back to business as usual. And I don't believe that's going to happen. So I, and I'll I just talk Rachel, real, ta- point. Yeah, real, real technical on these things. I mean, we've been talking about, you know, the consolidation and whether or not it's institutional accumulation. So if you want to, you know, if you want to say, forget Dennis and Joel and forget Warren Buffett, I, you know, I, these airline stocks are a buy, then I think <clears throat> something like Delta is going to hold the low of the move here. I mean, if there's a reason for it to really get shellacked today, you know, here it is, right? And it hasn't happened yet. So keep an eye out on the low of the move. I don't know if there's, you know, if, you know, the institutions, the other institutions that like these stocks are going to, you know, necessarily exit on this news, but they haven't rebounded off the low. They're just holding above their lows. So, you know, just a really, really important day for the airlines. Did he, uh, did he say anything Which about Kraft Brings Heinz? us to Boeing too. Oh, Boeing. Yeah, go ahead. I was just going to say, which brings us to Boeing too. And people, everybody asking about Boeing. Everybody wants to buy Boeing. This is direct impacted obviously they make a lot of airplanes if people are flying less you know and and you've got a lot you know there may be you know even if boeing gets their max thing problems figured out demand for their product could be a lot lower for a long time and what i didn't like and i said this on the show on friday and obviously wrong i thought it could lift on on that i even said said the pun and i used it again but i thought it could lift on friday because those terms that they got on that money that they raised was really good. I was very surprised at the terms that they got, that they were as good as they were. And they didn't have to do a lot of dilution. So I was like, you know what? Maybe they could left. But I think the underlying demand problem here is the issue. And they sold that rally. And the stock closed weak. And obviously, you know, maybe market effects were impacted there as well because we had a very weak day. So that held Boeing down as well. But it makes me think that Boeing could still have a world of pain here too. Um, I was very surprised, though, and, 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 and in a good way, that they were able to raise the money that easily um, that they wanted to raise. So that makes me think maybe they don't have to do as much dilution. But bottom line, you know, is the demand for new jets is going to be suppressed for a long time as well, even when they figure the max problems out, in my opinion. So especially if Warren's, you know, uh, and what he's saying there's going to be less airlines. I mean, that's very scary thought for Boeing as well. So lots of things to be concerned about in this industry. I think there's safer places for your money. Could Boeing turn it around? Could the airlines turn it around? Yeah, they could. There's a scenario that these things turn it around. But I think there's also a scenario where these things go a lot lower. So I don't think it's just like, oh, how can you go wrong buying Boeing at $127? And how can you buy go wrong buying LUV wrong at $26? I'll tell you how you can go wrong if it gets to serious dilution or if you get into the potential where some of these smaller carriers could actually not make it. So there are scenarios on the table, which is very ugly for these airlines as well. I don't know which way it goes. That's why I'm not short the airlines. I'm not short Boeing, but I'm not putting my investment dollars there either, because I think it's a coin flip on whether some of these smaller carriers survive. And if you think about like the range of outcomes heading into the weekend, like what, like 
what could Warren have done before we knew? I don't think anybody would have really thought that he would have sold out entirely. And he's and, I didn't you know, think and, no. and and his his comments about the industry has fundamentally changed. I mean, it doesn't sound good. I know the, no. we, we care. People care what he thinks, right? Uh, that th- that just doesn't sound good. You might disagree, but coming from someone like him to 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 put his money where his mouth is like that, I mean, that that cannot make you feel good right here. It just can't. It doesn't. And the market did not. Obviously, the market did not think that he sold out all of his airlines or you wouldn't see Southwest Airlines trading down 8% today. You wouldn't see Delta trading down 10% today. So, you know, anybody who made that call made money here. Um, I wish I would have made that. You know, I kind of thought that he might be bearish. I didn't think he sold them all out. I did not think he would say that. That took the market by surprise. It's being priced into the stocks right now. This was not priced in or the stocks would not be down 10% right now. So, and they've traded significant amount of volume too. So airlines are no touch for me. That's the bottom line for me. Uh, Joel, your question about Kraft Heinz. Yeah, this, this is also uh, concerning here. Uh, so Buffett said that Kraft Heinz hasn't filed its uh, 2018, um, or, or, or I'm sorry, this was, uh, wait, wait, make sure I'm reading the right thing here. This was a, uh, uh, they don't have enough information, basically, to to talk about their Kraft Heinz position. Okay. Uh, they uh, they do own around twenty seven percent of the company, but they didn't report any income because they don't have enough data from the company. Uh, so there's something to do with uh, maybe a lawsuit uh, with their uh, accounting uh, firm uh, or a, a dispute with their auditor, but they didn't. He didn't really talk about Kraft Heinz because they don't really have enough information from the company to, 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 to know. What about um, accidental petroleum? He did comment on Oxy, and he said um, he said some good comments about Oxy actually, because uh, I think somebody asked him. I don't remember, and I don't know if you can find it. Maybe it's in the pro if somebody wrote it down in the pro. But he he com- somebody asked him a question the Q and A, and the comment was that he still believes in Oxy uh, to, to that nature. I don't have the comment in front of me, but it was, it was not a bearish comment okay. to Oxy, which was interesting. So it sounded like to me, like he was sticking with it. If anybody in the chat's got the actual comment, okay. I don't have it, but he was asked that question about Oxy and it didn't sound bearish. Yeah. He was just to give a quick recap. He was, uh, you know, still bullish Apple, Talked a, little, talked a little bit about Bezos and, and, and how great they are. So he's not concerned about Tesla. He was bearish Bitcoin. What else is new? Um, so a lot more of the same. A lot, a lot of it was just more of the same of what he's usually discussed. He, his views on a lot of things haven't really changed. And any that's what makes the airline thing so notable is because when his views don't change very often. So when they do, it's, it, it matters a lot. Yeah, it was um, a fundamental change in yeah. his view of the entire industry, which was scary very scary, obviously, as the uh, invest to the investors because that's why the stocks are getting hit so hard. Let's move on from Warren. Neil B <clears throat> makes a comment. What about Elon talking his stock down on Friday? I've never seen anything like this in my yeah. entire twenty-year prop trading career, and I've read headlines for twenty years. I've never ever seen the CEO of a company come out and say the stock price is too high. I've I, never I saw, seen that before. I saw a great tweet on Friday. Uh, I don't. I forgot who said it. So I apologize for not giving credit, but uh, Tesla got downgraded uh, by Elon Musk. He, just, he, I saw that he did. Too. Yeah, he just he just he downgraded the stock to I don't know a neutral or a sell. I'm not really sure. 
but it was a downgrade from Elon I've never, Musk. I've never seen this in my life. I, I, you know what? We get some stuff right. We get some stuff wrong. I'm going to give my pat myself on the back on this one because on Thursday's show when it was trading at 860, I said I would be taking profits in Tesla if I owned it right now. I was specifically saying because I'd watched the action Facebook and Microsoft and Twitter and they were selling that. reps. And I'm like, here's a rip for you to sell. It was a gift. Um, within you know an, an hour of the open, it was obviously it gave back all those gains that day. And, it, and then Elon Musk just stabbed his own stock. He kicked his own stock when it was down from obviously giving back the entire earnings gain and went down lower. But what does that mean when a CEO comes out and says their stock price is too high? You know what I think it means? I th think it means that they've got some issues that are going to be coming out or he wouldn't be talking bearish about his own stock. He said he's still long-term bullish, but it's telling me they might have some short-term issues here that we don't know about yet. So that is very scary. I've never seen anything like that in my life. Um, I wouldn't be selling any rally in Tesla. I know it's down $150 from where it just was two days ago. Uh, but after comments like that, I, I would be selling any rally that I could in the stock. That's my opinion. Um, I still like Tesla. I love the cars. Like I said, you know, I'm a fan of the company itself, but the valuation is nuts. And when the CEO says the valuation is nuts, that's sign, a sign to hit the exit button. I, I think, and I also tweeted this on Friday, that uh, Tesla's biggest strength is having Elon Musk as their CEO. And their biggest weakness is also having Elon Musk as their CEO. It, it, it's, I, I cannot believe that. So I, I've got to think there's something else behind that we don't know about yet, that he would actually talk bearish about his stock in the short term on Twitter. There's got to be, you know, the sales must be just brutal. But, but we saw like, the, you know, what obviously the last quarter sales, but something's got to be going on for him to talk that bearish about something. So in any regard, if the CEO says the stock is overvalued, I'm going to rate this on page seven of her book. When the CEO comes out and says my stock price is too high, it equals sell. Counting problems equals sell. CEO says my stock price is too high, equals sell. Unbelievable. Yeah, the timing of it too. Uh, Unbelievable. But, yeah, it's had a big move here and it's um, it did have a low that I would have been leaning on. Is, did we get through it yet? No. Look at uh, 673.79. I'm just throwing this out there because you had a gap up and then you came back down and that was the low. And then that caught, you know, that was the uh, support for the rally up to 869.82. So under that 73.79 low, it looks it looks a little a little dice or actually yeah no I'm sorry folks I get, I was looking at uh, the wrong let me give you that level um, you had a gap up and then you slowed down a little bit and then where'd you come into it's a little bit lower than that um, no it oh that level was six eighty eight seventy one we are trading below that folks there's a, not a lot in here you went up it went up by two hundred points I in know. like five days. What goes up quickly goes down quickly sometimes. There's a lot of air in sometimes. here. Uh, but before we move but, on But again, this, if you're shorting it now, Joel, so I just want to, before you move whew. on from Tesla, if you're shorting it now, it was 150 points higher two days ago. So now you're chasing it if you're shorting it here. I'd be sell, Like I said, I'd be selling into rallies. I don't know if I'm selling into dips. I wouldn't want to own Tesla either way. I just, it, it, after those comments, like I, 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 I'm surprised the stock really didn't even get hit harder than that. But obviously it got slammed pretty good. But when those comments came out from the tweet, you had to be hitting the sell button immediately. And obviously, you know, it took an hour or two to really start to really get hit. It got hit on the initial tweet, but it didn't go down 80 points immediately. So I, I don't know at this point in time. I, I wouldn't want to own it. Is what I'm saying. 
Uh, let's uh, let's just talk also just overall earnings. You know the way stocks have been re reacting to earnings, and then the bump because of so far Microsoft report faded. Apple it was faded. It came back. It faded again. Amazon report was faded hard. Uh, Google had a good report. It rallied. It's still holding above thirteen hundred though. But overall, that's been a fade. Facebook, that thing hit 215 in the pre-market, never got over 210 in the regular session. That's been a fade. So those are those are the big boys coming out with, you know, being construed as good earnings reports and yeah. being sold. And now you're coming into a week where, I mean, how in the heck are you going to, I mean, how are these retail, I mean, retail starts later this week or next week? Because how can their numbers be anything but horrible? They're going to be horrible, but the one thing to consider with retail's expectations, again, the bar is so low, low that maybe some of these stocks, you know, can actually rally because the bar will be set so low. But again, there's so many better places for your money. Like we talked about, you know, even on Thursday or Friday, I mentioned Activision. I own it in the long-term portfolio. It pulled back nicely from those highs. I mean, it didn't get back to the 50% retracement. I was hoping to get back to 60. It was going to actually buy more. But uh, 68.32, it pulled back in the last week. And, and then what happened Friday? The trade started to reverse. You started to see the COVID plays come back in the favor. Um, and that's just the market that we're in. Even Netflix itself had a pretty good Friday, and it's holding up here today. These stocks are moving counter to the market. The stay-at-home stocks that are benefiting directly from it are starting to show light. Peloton held up pretty good on Friday. Me and Joel are both long Peloton. The earnings are coming later this week, which we think are going to be pretty good. I still like Peloton here as a trade, not as a long-term investment, as a trade right now, because the stay-at-home thing is still going on, and the market is spooked here again, at least in the short term. But with that being said, I'm not coming in and selling stocks here hand over fist right now. The time to sell was thir Thursday and Friday of last week when we got up to 291, 292 on SPY again. 295, you're selling after hours Wednesday, you're a genius. I mean, that was a very high. But, you know, you had the tell. The tell happened when it gave back all of those gains from Wednesday night and we started to look like, you know, a lot of these stocks that had good reports were going down on them. That was a tell. I mean, Apple traded over 300 bucks on on. on on a Thursday night, but Facebook, like you said, up to 215 and Microsoft was up to $85, 185, 185 on Microsoft and, you know, 173 here now. So now if you're coming to sell Microsoft, now it's 12 points off after a good earnings report. I'd be looking more at the dip to buy here on good companies like Microsoft. And I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing some rotation people, you know, and I was saying, what the hell is up today? I mean, you look at the market and we're only down 20 points. And I'm seeing massacres across the board. Airlines are killed. Oil stocks are down significantly. The banks are beat up. Retail's getting hit. You know what's holding up pretty well again? Is the big boys. Apple is actually trading in the green here right now. Amazon is down. Okay, Amazon's down. Um, I actually would be a buyer of that Amazon dip. That's just my opinion. Um, not long term, but as a trade here, that's a pretty good dip on Amazon. And as a day trade, I would not be surprised if that turns around. Um, Netflix is holding up. It's holding up well. So some of the FANG stocks are holding up okay today. You're still seeing these stocks um, that, you know, obviously have are cash rich or are stocks that are benefiting from the lockdown hold up fairly well. We got a new guest to bring in today, Spencer, correct? Yep. I want to bring on our guest right now, a new guest. His name is Scott Shalady. You probably know him better though as the cow guy so let me bring him on right here scott is the uh, head of us otc producers and Merrick solutions joining us now on pre-market prep scott good morning 
Good morning. Hopefully you, hopefully you can hear me. We can oh, hear he is you. dressed to impress. <laughs> I love this outfit. This might be the best, most well-dressed guest we have ever had on pre-market prep. That's a low this bar. This is very impressive. That's a low bar. I got to sit up for this one. <laughs> yeah, Dennis, maybe you could put on a shirt. That, uh, I know. I have some time with a t-shirt. <laughs> you, did, you did it, you did it uh, wear three times last week. Uh, Scott, how are you doing this morning? I know it's early for you. Thanks for getting up. Uh, no problem. Uh, yeah, I'm doing well. I'm obviously, um, you know, I heard you guys, uh, I watched the show for a little bit before we've gone on here. I've been in the business for 32 years and uh, it's pretty unprecedented, as you would say. All right, let's just uh, touch on you, on that fancy jacket that you have there. And uh, our audience loves people that have experience on the floor. So just real quickly, tell us about your experience coming up through the floor and uh, your current role. Two years ago, I got in the business. My father started in the business in 1962. Uh, so what happened was uh, along the way, when he made a little bit of money, he bought a farm. He was uh, he worked for Cargill. Uh, and Cargill. While working for Cargill, we, we, he bought a farm, and then he bought some dairy animals. And as a kid, I grew up on the farm. We were milking 200 head of cattle twice a day. Um, and then one thing led to another, where when he was beginning to retire, and I got in the business in 1988, I thought it'd be kind of fun to wear my father's trading jacket. He wore a black and white Holstein trading jacket to remind the visitors in the gallery that we actually are setting an economic function down there. It's not just gambling, right? So he wanted to bring some attention to the fact that when he was trading corn, there was a reason why uh, we were down there yelling and screaming and he wore this uh, black and white Holstein trading jacket. Well, when he retired, I put the jacket on just kind of in remembrance of him. And that was about the same time that we saw an explosion of fund money coming into the market like the early 2000s. And so when all of the money hit the market, all of the media hit the market and everybody wanted to talk to the big guy in the black and white jacket. So um, yeah. I'm, I'm an unconventional uh, media person. I didn't plan it to happen this way, but it did. So uh, now it's been 20 years of it and, and I love doing it. I have a lot of fun, but that's pretty much the story. All right, for uh, the $64,000 question, uh, when Cargill came into the pit, what was the uh, the floor the signal from the arbitrage clerks that it was Cargill coming in? Like you're driving a car. Steering yes, exactly, exactly. Okay, uh, let's move on here. You follow the markets, you know, very closely. Macro perspective here. We had a big decline and a quick rebound here. <sighs> Volatility is coming down. Just give us uh, your macro perspective on the markets. Well, it's almost like Sesame Street back in the day, like which one of these things does not belong here? Um, depending on who you follow, it could be Janet Yellen, it could be JP Morgan. I mean, the economy is gonna contract and the projections are 20 to 40%. That's pretty much the ballpark. When I've got a projections of 20 to 40% contraction and I've still got an equity market, whether you're looking at the Dow at 16% lower or the S&P at 12, 12, 13% lower, one of these things doesn't belong here. And I know we've seen a nice rally back and that's back, uh, I call it hopium. Everybody's excited about opening up this market and I listened to the show earlier and here's my, my, my best, the best thing I can say about it is this, if you're gonna have a slow rolling open, you're gonna have a slow rolling recovery. So everybody can get V-shaped out of their brains because that's just not gonna happen. And a lot of these companies are not coming back so you're gonna have to go through uh, you know, bankruptcies, you're gonna have to go through purchasing of the business, uh, refitting the equipment. I mean, it's just not going to happen that fast. It can't happen that fast. And I liked what you had to say about those airlines too, because it's just not going to come back as fast as you like. Now I went through 9-11 and 
And everybody was never going to fly again either back then too. And then we got to levels that we'd never seen before after a few years. Uh, but it's just going to take a few years. Everybody's going to have to, um, you know, recalibrate their, their growth projections and away we go. It's not the end of the world. It's just a, a big, big hiccup. But do those airlines have a few years? That's the question. If those numbers stay depressed for a long period of time, some of these airlines could be in some trouble. Yeah, I, I, I can barely hear you there. But I think what, <clears throat> I mean, I'm, I'm not a big fan because the airlines have managed themselves so poorly anyway, too. You know, I mean, if, when you want to buy all your stock back at the highs and this is what happens, you have no cash for when we hit some bad, a bad patch. So, well, and whether we come back, you made some great points in the show earlier too. When are we going to be zooming all, you know, are we going to do Microsoft teams, whatever your, your, your pill is um, that's going to actually affect things. And I think face to face will still be important, but it's not going to be uh, as, as popular as it is or was. Uh, let's move on to the volatility. You had the big spike in the volatility uh, one thing that I was saying during the market decline is the average daily ranges have to come down. In order for us to go back up, we have to come down. The, the volatility has come down. The S&Ps are still, the nine-day average trading range is still around 100 points, which is certainly elevated from those 15, 20, 25-point ranges when we were grinding higher in 18 and 19. Just talk about how the volatility has come back. And I know you like to uh, implement hedging strategies. So just talk about the, the spike up, the spike down, and the impact on your hedging strategies for equities. Well, I wouldn't be caught flat-footed, especially now. I, I don't think this is over. And, and the only problem with uh, me expecting us to make new lows is that everybody's expecting us to make new lows. I have to have everybody's head looking in the opposite direction before we can actually do that. But I definitely don't see, look, macro-wise, the economy's not gonna come back anytime soon. Uh, we're still on a little bit of a hopium trade and you've seen that volatility enter the market. And now we're gonna come back and settle in and people slowly but surely are gonna wake up to the fact that this, this is not gonna be the happy party that we thought. It, it, this could all, be, by the way, this could all be changed with a vaccine in the short term, which I don't think is going to happen, but that could be something that really rocks the markets against too. So, but either way, it'll still be very, very volatile. I, I'm, the volatility is not going to go away. We're going to see ebbs and flows, but it's going to be different. I mean, just four weeks ago, five weeks ago, you know, we're watching thousand point Dow opens or, you know, I mean, think about what we were going through back then. I've never seen that in my entire life. I don't say that that's over. I don't say that you can't see crude oil trade negative again. I mean, so many rules have been broken in the last five weeks. I want to ask you about that, Scott. Uh, yeah. The June roll there. Now, I know you implement hedging strategies. Yeah. Uh, they changed the rules for the July contract. I mean, that was unprecedented. Do you see something, do you see that as like a one-off and now they're changing the rules a little bit so it won't happen again or do you see, I mean, that really shook, I mean, the market's held up okay, uh, but uh, just what's your forecast on that? Uh, I've a bunch of things to say about that. Uh, you know, the, it doesn't look good if you're the exchange, number one, they're very, very yep. um, concerned. Uh, number two is, you know, in 2008, when we were really hitting the skids, we really got rescued by the energy sector. And, you know, uh, ExxonMobil just had their first quarterly loss in 32 years last week. Uh, Whiting Petroleum declared bankruptcy about four or five weeks ago. Um, we don't have that, you know, that, that big night coming around the corner on a white horse that's going to rescue us when it comes to energy. Energy and the tenure are my two big canaries in the coal mine, and neither one of them are giving me a good feeling right now. That's why when I say something, one of these things does not belong here, 
I don't know how long the equity market can still hold up against uh, a 20 to 40% decline in GDP and at the same time you've got the tenure. And who knows, the US could go negative here with that tenure. I mean, I'm not saying that's out of the picture either. So if this economy doesn't really take off and I don't think it's gonna, I don't think we're gonna have a W recovery either. Um, there's gonna be some pressure on those rates and it'll, you know, I think the interesting trade for the next 18 months is going to be the dollar. What's going to happen to that? So my two big ones, tenure and oil, are not giving me a good feeling. Look how many things we've thrown at oil to try to get it up off the mat. It's not reacting like it should, right? So we've got problems in both of those, and I think that that's what's really kind of giving me um, you know, pause for concern. Ron with Scotch Lady, the Cal guy. He's the head of U.S. OTC producers at Marek Solutions. Uh, Scott, I just want to get your thoughts on Warren from over the weekend and and what he said versus what he did, and if you had a reaction to to his his selling of the airlines and his general general sentiment. Uh, yeah, uh, again, listen to your show earlier. I could not agree more. I think it's probably as serious as you said, or possibly more serious than you said. I look, my best case scenario, and I'm not. I don't overreact. I don't put any drama in my in my theses. I try to keep everything factual. Is that the best thing that we can see us doing is coming out of a depression into a recession? Bottom line. I mean, that's I hate to say it that way, but and you know what? It may be because of technology and the way things move nowadays. It happens way faster than we thought. But look at these numbers. I mean, we're expecting 21 million job losses on Friday. I mean, we're, we, we'll probably by then have about 33 to 34 million jobless claims by Friday. I mean, all these numbers are coming across and they're disgusting. So what Buffett had to say, I mean, he probably wanted to be even more forceful than what he had to say. And, and I think that, that I think what, you know, by him voting with his feet like that is, is significant, very significant. So I would have my, my caution light is on massive right now. I'm not flashing DEFCON red. But I tell you what, this thing's, the volatility is not going away. You could see us trade to new lows, but there's no way that we can see this market hold up in the face of what's happening right now in the economy. Now, if the economy changes suddenly, then the market will be okay. But these numbers that are coming through, I have never seen in my entire, in my wildest dreams. And so, yeah, we can all be happy about maybe things opening up, but let me remind everybody out there. If you're going to open up a business at 25 to 50%, of its capacity. That's opening up the business at 25 to 50% of its revenues. So they can't make it on that. So what's that? They're just going to let them be open and have a little parting gift before they do finally declare bankruptcy. Yeah. Either you're open or you're not. I mean, they can't make, they couldn't make money on 80% of the revenues before this thing shut down. So at 25 to 50% opening, we're all fooling ourselves. So right now it's happy clappy because we're going to reopen this thing and the weather's nice. But I think when we really get down to the brass tacks, you're going to find out nobody can make money on 50% of their revenues or 50% of their occupancy. And that's going to be a big problem. So I, I wish I could be happier about it, but I try to keep my feelings out of it and just look at the numbers. What do you think the driver has been from the lows? I mean, we've had such a substantial rally from that March 23rd low when it looked like, you know, the end of the world was coming. Was it just an overshoot? And this is just the natural bounce, the natural, um, you know, that we just sold off too quickly. And um, what, what was the driver really think in the last month to make stocks rally almost two thirds of their losses back? I, one word for you, Algo's. I, don't, I, I mean, the way this thing trades, it's not like humans are trading, right? You don't have thousand point swings in the Dow on humans trading very often, right? The way this reacted to me, having been in the business for 32 years, it smelled of electronic, especially on the rally, because you've had a, an institutional 
you know, I, I, they, they absolutely got out of everything on the way down. And now who's going to be really jumping back in after you're still shaking on your sofa, looking at your 401k? It's not going to be everybody else piling back in the market. I think you had a lot of algos back in the market here that drove it up to these levels. And I think whoever said it earlier about Tesla, I mean, you could be right. These are great opportunities. So, I mean, don't let this, uh, I, I would just say, be careful about getting sucked into the hopium. Um, there's still a very, very bumpy road ahead, and we still don't know how bad these numbers are going to be. I mean, the second quarter is going to be just abysmal. Is there any place to hide? I mean, you can look at like the precious metals. I know gold, it, you know, sometimes it acts like it should as a hedging instrument. Other times when the market's going down, maybe there's forced liquidation into gold and meek margin calls here. Are there any safe havens, gold, silver? And I don't know if you're a fan not of Bitcoin at all, if you want to throw any commentary yeah. in on that. I'm not really a big fan of Bitcoin. Okay. I mean, I watch gold because I kind of have to. Um, I, I, I hate to say it, but I just don't see things getting that healthy that quickly. And I'm worried about negative rates in the U.S. So maybe bonds is a place to park your cash. But you know what? I mean, Warren Buffett would say this. You know, cash is an asset. <laughs> that is an asset. So if you want to go to something like that's a great place to invest your money right now. And I think that that's probably true. I'm not, I'm not a stock expert and I'm not giving anybody advice to sell everything they've got. But I tell you what with the numbers. If you just look at the numbers and take your feelings out of it, I've got them all written down here and they give me goosebumps because they're so bad. I mean, um, America really relies on the, the consumer and our household spending number last, last uh, week, we dropped seven and a half percent month on month. That's the largest drop since 1959, since they started taking those records on a month on month basis. I mean, it's just gonna continue to cascade that way. So if you're a real big bull, you're going to have to put your mouthpiece in and put a headgear on because you're going to, it's going to be a bumpy ride. All right. Before we let you go, Scott, I know your experience on the floor. Our audience loves floor stories. So uh, if you have a good one or a bad one or both or something that's changed your trading philosophy or psychology, <laughs> uh, I'm hoping you could share that with us. I, I've traded on the floors of, of, of a number of exchanges, but my best story I'll do as quickly as possible is we were, uh, it was in London over the currency crisis in 1992. And I was in short sterling options, which was one of the, you know, right in the middle of the, of the heat map. And you could not, I mean, volatility was basically 100%. Everything you were quoting was, had a chance of being in the money, right? It come expiry. And you could barely move in the pit. And uh, some guy that looked like James Bond and spoke like James Bond came in the pit and asked for some crazy uh, option. And I, I was the only one that was paying attention to him because he couldn't get anybody else's attention. And I made him a price that, you know, we were usually making prices of one bit at two, and I made him a price of 50 bit at 250. Okay, that's how, that's how crazy it was. And uh, he, 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 bought about, he bought a 500 lot off of me, which was um, so big at the time, I couldn't even tell you. You know, I almost fainted. Um, and I immediately split it with the kid next to me who wasn't paying attention. And we, I hedged it up and everything. We put it in the book, and about an hour later, I asked the kid next to me, I said, hey, what did you have those things worth? When I quoted 50 bit at 250, he says, I had him worth about 56. He says, what did you sell him at? I said, 250. He says, 250? I said, yeah. He says, well, why would you give me half? I said, because if we go to jail over this, I want to know who my cellmate is. <laughs> uh, that's, that's a good one. Yeah. Oh, that's a great one. You get to keep oh. it? 
They got the 250 or did they? Well, <laughs> they, they, got, they, they, were, they were all good. It was, they were, you know, we quoted them. The pit reporter had them in. They were in time in sales. It was all wow. good. Wow. It was good. <laughs> That's hilarious. Right. Scott Shalady is the cow guy. He's also the head of U.S. OTC producers at Merrick Solutions. Scott, thanks for the time today. Great story. And uh, be safe out there. All right. he, he, he's going to be back on this show real soon. Thanks for getting right. up, Scott. We'll talk to you again. Thank you All very right. much. All right. Uh, yeah, this is a really good story. <laughs> we, we generally get some, some good ones. Well, it's uh, like during the flash crash when people were getting filled out a penny. It's like, I'm not going to sell that stock right away because odds are they're going to, you know, and, they, and people don't know you can do this. They bust trades. I mean, when they get they too do. far out, they they, they've actually got, you know, and you could go to the clearly erroneous rules now and there is, um, you know, more structure to it. But back in the day, like when I was starting 1999, 2000, I mean, there was floor ruling on almost everything. So, you know, if the buyer on the other side thinks it got ripped off, they could, you know, go and call the contra broker and talk it over. And you could say, well, look, I'll split it with you or I'm going to take it to ruling. And they're like, no, I'm not doing it. And they take it to ruling. You know, they called it bust or adjust. You want to adjust it? I'm like, no, nah, no, nah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take my chances. And then ruling would make on and they just bust the trade. So, you know, I, it, was, it was this thing that happened sometimes. You'd get a really good fill on something that was way outside the market, and you're like, well, they're probably going to bust that. So, um, you know. I, I just want to explain something, too. And uh, Scott probably didn't get a chance to go into this. The, these option pits, I don't know. He mentioned that he was into Sterling or something like that. I could just give you an example. Uh, I used to clerk just outside the S&P 500 um, index options pit. All right. And there might be, I don't know, five, six order fillers and 20, you know, market makers. But there's all these different markets going on. Like, hey, you know, what's the uh, May, you know, 220, 240 diagonal? And like everyone shouts out a number. And then there's another broker shouting out a number. So when he did that, I mean, I, this is back in 92. So I don't even, I mean, the theoreticals, basically these guys had little rolled up pieces of paper. And they would look, and they would look, and they got updated, uh, you know, um, volatility numbers every hour. So what he did is he probably just looked down at, you know, this sheet of paper, not exactly knowing what it was, and like, oh, well, maybe fair value is 56. Well, I'll bid under, and he's doing some size, so, you know, I need to take out that. So he goes 50 and 250, and with the fair value being that. So I'm just telling you, it is chaotic. Um, in those pits and you know those kind of trades come in I mean that sounds like a, a lifetime trade but uh, it, it's complicated in there and then all these guys that uh, used to do the S&P options then they all would try and hedge with the spoos so they would all come in at the same time and if they all did get the same fill they cry like little babies and everything but uh, that's just giving you an example it was great love to hear the floor stories we only got about five minutes left here Spencer We'll let you uh, take the reins here and uh, cover a few more stocks here. We should go to Shopify. Uh, Shopify is up pretty big this morning, though it's off the highs. Catching an upgrade, uh, or not an upgrade, sorry. Uh, KeyBank is maintaining their overweight, but they're raising their price target in Shopify from 500 to $700. It's not coming down. It, it tried a little bit on Friday, but they're just holding it up. And obviously, I sold onto my stock around 620 I sold it on the Canadian exchange, so whatever, you know, equivalent. It was around 620 US. And um, 
it's not coming in. I, I was hoping, you know, I'd get it back. I actually, you know, I even had that short on it. You know, I sold stock and then went short. You know, I don't often do that. And, you know, I had the cover, which, you know, I never do that, but I covered that big red candle down of the last of it, like 562, which was near the low. I never get it that good. I mean, I'm never one that gets, you know, that, that good of a cover, but I did. Um, but I was really hoping that we'd get some type of sustained sell-off that would re-get my stock that I sold around 500 bucks. I even talked with Nick Shaheen. We were talking on the show, and he was, you know, looking at the same thing. It just run too far, and he's hoping to get it back as well, um, you know, through options, and it hasn't been the case. It's not coming in, so it's starting to scare me. I mean, it's right around the same price where I sold it, but, you know, and the valuation's just nuts too, but this is a storied stock, and I do believe this stock is going to make new all-time highs again too, um, and it, when it's this strong in a market that's this, you know, weak, it's just showing you the relative strength on this thing. It's still incredible. Uh, I kind of almost want to just buy it back right now. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, the valuation's nuts. Like, well, obviously, don't I bought this that. around, you know, the 320, 330 area, and it just went up too far. Like I said, I was up almost 100. I had been in it for a while, but I'd given back the entire gain. And then all of a sudden, you know, I was making new all-time highs. It just ran so far in that first two weeks of April that I couldn't help but book the gain. I want to get the stock back. I love the company. I just, I think it's it just got too I, hot, but it feels like it's going to get hot again. I, so I, I want to buy it. I'm, I'm on the other side of this trade here. Okay. Dennis. I just, I mean, t such a big run uh, market aided, obviously. Right. We had the big rally in the market. Oh, yeah. it, you know, if, if the S and P's go from 2,800 to 3,200 in a heartbeat. Yeah. I think the stock will go right along with it. I'm just, Looking at the daily highs here, and I see, you know, it's hard with these really expensive stocks to get double tops or triple tops or whatever. So I'm just going to focus on the last couple of weeks. And you have multiple highs between, well, yesterday, we'll throw out Friday, but you got multiple highs between 640 and 665.74. What that tells me is that someone wants out of a piece of this stock at 650. But that's their target. They're working it. They're working it. Not a lot of liquidity. Your all-time closing high is 643.19, which we're not even close at. So I don't know. I, I Unless this thing gets over 650 in a jiffy, I'll give it a couple days. I think this analyst is going to be downgrading it at a much lower price. Just and I, I'm just doing this based on technicals. I don't know anything about the fundamentals of the stock. Looks like someone's working out at a piece at 650. They're not done yet. I'm not buying the stock. I think you'll get it. I don't know if you'll get it back at 500. Uh, but once this thing breaches 600, the next time actually make it uh, 595.03. That was the low on Friday. I think you see that 550 in the heart. I love this stock. I would say if you want to take the opposite side of Joel's trade, I would stop out at Friday's low. So it's a big number, 595. You want to see the stock hold up today. It could test it. We got a weak market. It could give some back. Um, Shopify is a wild child. I mean, you get three, four point spreads on there half the time. So it easily could challenge at 600 again. I wouldn't want to see a trade below that. So if you are buying it saying, you know, it's held up well and I love the relative strength. This is the kind of stock that I would, I like though. I, I like this chart better. That's just sitting here, consolidation station here. Still have the Canadian story. I mean, the one thing that's driven this and the one thing that will continue to drive this is if you're a Canadian investor and you're looking for a place to hide, there is not a lot of places to hide. Shopify, obviously a big Canadian company have a lot of Canadian money that is in this and that could continue. I have a lot of American money in this as well. But if you're a Canadian investor and you're looking at oh, oils you know, in trouble and the banks, you know, yeah, they're cheap dividends, but they have too much oil exposure. And you start looking around, you're like, what do I really buy in Canada? There's not much. 
That's why, that's why I've always liked Shopify despite a high valuation. You know, I never put high valuation stocks in my long-term portfolio. And the reason I've had Shopify in there is because I like the story and I like the Canadian aspect of this because not a lot of places to hide in Canada. I think that continues to drive the price. I do believe Shopify is going to be a thousand dollar stock eventually. So I'm not saying it's going to do that today, but it's holding up fairly well. And I was hoping when I sold it at 620 that it would come back down and I'd re-get it at 450 or 500 because it just went up too far. And I'm hoping the overall market will bring it down eventually, but it's just not happening so far. And that has me concerned and I don't want to see the stock take off without me. All right. I think that's a good place to uh, to wrap it up here. I want to thank our guest uh, today, Scott Shalady. Thanks to everyone in our chats, both on YouTube and on premarket.benzinger.com. You can always catch our podcast uh, on whatever podcast platform you check out or on our YouTube channel. You can always give, shoot us an email. Uh, premarket at benzinga.com please remember all the information from our show is meant to be used as informational purposes and not for investing or trading advice everyone have a great rest of your day happy star wars day may the fourth be with oh, you yeah. joel and i yeah dennis i cannot believe you forgot about that joel and i will be back with you at 3 40 in the meantime everyone have a great rest of your day Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.